Uh, we have been in a series, and I just want to say welcome. Anybody who's a first-time guest this morning, we're just so glad you're here, and we're so glad that you're here at this time and this season, because uh, we are in a sermon series right now where we're talking about who we are. We're talking about the DNA of Ponca City Church. We're talking about where we're going. So we've been in this sermon series titled uh, Family Matters, and the subtitle of that uh, this series has been Where We've Come From and where we're going. And, and, and I just want to say this, we just believe as a church that 2018 is going to be an incredible year. That uh, 2018 is actually the 66th year that we have been a church. Our church has been around uh, historically for quite a long time. Uh, but here's what I know. I know that the best way that we could steward this season and the year to come and the years to come is to stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us and know that the best is yet to come. Amen? So we're going to believe that. But as we do that, uh, we've kind of had a goal in this series, and I've kind of framed it uh, with a couple questions uh, that will be up on the screen this morning. Oh, and, and the title of this morning, uh, part three, we're in part three of this series, so this morning we're going to be talking about our family plan. But a couple questions we've been addressing in this series is, I asked this question last week, uh, what's our chicken? What's our chicken, right? We talked about fast food chicken restaurants for our question during our greeting time. And if you are here last week, it made a little bit of sense because we, we started talking about this, right? We got to understand as a church what type of chicken we serve. Uh, if you live or uh, you, you open your eyes in Ponca City a little bit, you understand there's a lot of different fried chicken options, right? Uh, you got KFC, uh, you got Golden Chick, you got Snyder's, uh, you apparently have Sonic, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and you have uh, Popeye's, which is being built. Um, and I, it seems like there's a lot of Popeye's fans in the room, you know what I'm saying? Anybody Popeye's? I didn't hear that as a response. I actually heard Chicken Express, which I've never had before, and that's more Oklahoma City-based, so... Um, Chicken Express. Come on, somebody. Um, but here's, here's the whole point, right? If we don't understand the chicken recipe that we make or we deliver, because churches all, we all serve the same thing, chicken, right? Let's just say that, right? The gospel, the good, the, the good news of Jesus. But each and every church has a different chicken recipe, right? And if we don't understand our recipe, we will have a tendency to quite honestly be mediocre. And here's what I know in the day and age that we live in, if we choose to be mediocre, we live in a day and age where churches are closing their doors, we have to understand who we are. We have to be confident. Come on, if you're a chicken, if you're trying to try to open up a chicken shop in Ponca City with all the competing other chicken places, you better have one good recipe. You better know who you are. So we've been asking this question, right? What's our chicken? And are we confident in who God has called us to be? So this other question I, I, we've asked is, what can we do better than 10,000 other churches? What, 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 what makes our chicken better? Right? What makes our chicken know that we are confident in who we are? How do we lock into that? How do we bring focus and clarity in terms of how, who we know we are and what we do best and how we contribute to, 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 to being the big C church, amen, the global church of Jesus? So two weeks ago, just kind of recap, we talked about uh, our family goal. And to define that family goal, um, we use this, this paradigm uh, in, a, in, a, in a book by a guy written, or a guy named Will Mancini, um, he talked about this idea of a kingdom concept. So we, we, we handed out surveys, we collected data to figure out who we are. So basically this kingdom concept kind of lays in the background. It's this phrase, it's this statement that describes uh, how will we glorify God and make disciples? What's our chicken recipe, right? What does that look like? So basically three main factors that we looked into, the local predicament, um, if you want to go back to that slide, uh, local predicament, what are the unique needs and opportunities where God has placed us, the collective potential, what are the unique resources and capabilities that God brings together in us in the apostolic esprit, 
what particular focus most energizes and animates our leadership. And when we figure out those three things, we can intersect who we are uniquely and understand what our kingdom concept is. So, so a couple weeks ago, we defined these things, and we'll have them up on the screen here. So our kingdom concept, or what we're calling our family concept, is this. We glorify God and make disciples by adopting anyone into the genuine and active love of Jesus. And then this helped us focus in on our goal. Our goal as a church is to adopt everyone into the genuine and active love of Jesus, right? We are a church that believes that the fruit of following Jesus looks like genuine and active love, right? We're not going to be a church that just talks a lot, but we're actually going to have a faith that people feel that people sense, when people experience us as people that are followers of Jesus, they experience the goodness of God. And then we talked about our vision, and our vision, as the series is titled, is Family Matters, that we're going to choose to be a spiritual family because no one is called to live this life alone. Amen? So we talked about those three things a couple weeks ago, and then last week, we began defining uh, what that means for us. We began defining what's called the vision frame. That here's what I know, adopting anyone and everyone into the active love of Jesus can mean a billion different things to a billion different people, right? So we have to hold that goal, we have to hold that concept that kind of sits in the background of who we are as a church, and we have to hold it accountable to what's called a vision frame. So we've been defining these different things in this series, which are defined in the vision frame, so measures, mission, strategy, and values. So really quickly, to kind of recap those four uh, sides of the vision frame, um, we have mission. So mission to us is called our family motto. Communicates why we exist. The values we're calling our family values. It says, it talks about who we are. Our strategy, what's our, what's our family plan to accomplish this goal? And then measures, what's our family, re family reputation? When have we left a family legacy? Like when are, what things are we going to celebrate when we see? Like what are the types of things that we expect for somebody who hangs out in this spiritual family called Ponca City Church, what are things that when it happens, we're like, yeah, that's progress. Man, we've created a great reputation. We've done well. So last week, we defined uh, our family motto and our family values. So last week, we talked about our family motto being this. We exist to be the church, not a building. Christianity 101, uh, we don't go to church. We are the church. Amen? So that immediately gets our mindset out of this inward idea of focusing on a building and understanding that if we are the church... And Jesus has called his church, that means we got to be it, and we got to be it in our lives, and we got to extend the goodness of God everywhere um, if we're called to be followers of Jesus, right? And then we talked about um, some of our family values. So really quickly, just want to race through these, and if, if, if you missed last week or you missed anything in the series up to this point, you can catch it on YouTube. Uh, we have all of our messages from this series on demand to refer back to, but our family values are this. Number one, our family's table always has an open seat. We're a tight-knit we are tight-knit with a mission to never stop expanding. Our family's kids are today's future. We believe the next generation is now. Our family's neighbors are worth the risk of failure. We operate with big faith to make our neighbor's family. Our family's city is the subject of our heart and the object of our love. We desire our city and community to experience the goodness of God. Number five, our family's members are the greatest opportunity for leadership. We see that the best leaders are developed in the house. Our family's home displays the standard of heaven. We gather with excellence, vibrancy, and passion. Uh, amen? Amen, amen. So this week, we're going to focus on the next side of this frame. So we've defined two sides of this vision frame that kind of hold us accountable so that we actually 
stay faithful and true to, to attaining to this goal that we believe we're after anyone and everyone. And as a church, we're not going to stop until everyone is adopted into the genuine and active love of Jesus. Amen? So let's, let's, we're going to find this third frame or third side of the vision frame, and we're calling it our family plan. In other words, uh, what's our strategy? What's the map to accomplish this goal? How are we going to do it, right? What is the blueprint? Um, if you don't, if you try to build something without a blueprint, chances are it might crumble. So we need to have a blueprint that holds us accountable to know what do we do as a church. How do we know what we say yes to and how do we know what we say no to? What can easily end up happening is that we put a lot of programs on the calendar and nothing actually gets accomplished. But we're going to be a church that, that practically looks at, hey, what do we want to do and what are the steps that are going to get us to accomplishing this goal? So here we go. What's our family plan to accomplish our goal? And up on the screen, we have our family plan. And um, through this picture, uh, we're going to break this down, and it's going to illustrate what we do as a family, what the process looks like for somebody that comes into our church, maybe for the first time, or maybe some of you that have existed or been a part of this church for a long time. What, is it, what does our next step look like in terms of how we function as a family? And this can be broken down into really just six ways. This is what we're going to do as a church. First and foremost, we're going to have people move in. Next, as people get to be a part of the household, in no particular order, as you're a part of the household, we're going to grow up, we're going to make friends, we're going to get a job, and then we're going to love the neighborhood. And lastly, after all that, um, we're going to move out. So we're going to break this down this morning and understand, like, what does this mean? And as you can see, it, it plays off of this whole idea, this imagery of, like, the family metaphor, that this is, this is what we're agreeing that we're going to be doing as a church as we've collected this data, as we begin defining all of these things. How are we going to accomplish this goal? Uh, so is anybody ready to hear from this this morning? Come on, somebody. All right, here we go. We're going to break it down. First off is, is move in. I'll say this about moving in. Um, nobody likes helping somebody move. Nobody. You get, that, you get that phone call, it's like the dreaded phone call, right? You're the guy who owns the pickup truck, and it just feels like sometimes you're getting taken advantage of. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is every guy. When we lived in Los Angeles, it was like every guy that had a pickup truck, you just felt bad for. Because it was like all these people moving to L.A. constantly asking to use the pickup truck, right? Um, it, it, let's just be honest. Moving in, a miserable experience. You figure out who your true friends are when you figure out who helps you move, right? Uh, that's, how you that's how I define friendship, true friendship, right? Uh, anyway, moving in, it's not an easy process. But we want to make sure that it is for people to move into this family. Right? We want to make sure... If we're, we're called to adopt anyone and everyone. Once again, we talked a little bit about this, the adoption process. That's a, that's a difficult process for many so we want to make sure that process is easy for people, right? Same thing goes for this idea of moving into this spiritual family. We just want to make sure that that process is so simple and so easy. I love in Matthew 25 this whole idea of welcoming the stranger. Jesus says a few things throughout the scriptures about this, but I love what he says in Matthew 25, just to kind of paraphrase a couple of verses here. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. Come on. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then he goes on and he tells his disciples, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. I want to look at some interesting stats this morning uh, in terms of church integration. Because we are a church that, once again, uh, we're a tight-knit family. 
But everybody's welcome at our table. Everybody's welcome to be a part of it. So if we really truly want to be a church that grows and allows people to get integrated into this spiritual family, there's some interesting stats about church integration. How about this? In the first 10 minutes, people decide whether they're coming back or not. Did you know that? Because people could be like, oh, man, my pastors are amazing. Or like, man, you got to hear this worship team. Here's the fact of the matter. Before people even hear the pastor, if you hear the worship, see the lights, whatever you have to offer, they've made a decision whether they're going to come back or not, simply by, by how they're being treated. First 10 minutes, you guys. So the first 10 minutes become extremely crucial into how we think about how people move into this family. My hope is if you came for the first time this morning, you were warmly welcomed, that there was people that identified you and cared for you and loved on you. And if you didn't feel that way, this is a great opportunity and a great sermon to be at because we're talking about how we can get better, how we can make sure that we're stewarding the things that God's calling us to very, very well. Next thing, another interesting stat, if first-time guest turns into a second-time guest at a church, they are 80% more likely to get plugged in. So that first-time experience, when somebody comes again, that means there's a chance that they will get integrated, they will move in and be a part of this family. And for us specifically, this family, Ponca City Church. So let's talk about this a little bit. How do people move in at PCC? And this is how they move in. We're calling it by getting comfortable. Move in. Get comfortable. And there's three major ways that we think about this um, that kind of play into the movement process uh, for, for our church. First being first impressions. We live in a day and age now where people don't typically walk through the doors to check out a church. That's their first intuition. Like, oh, I'm just going to look up a church in the phone book and walk through the doors. No. Typically, our first impression exists on, through technology, social media. People hear about us. People find out that we exist. This is why social media has become a bigger and bigger priority because the way typically people hear about a church or find out about a church is through the means of technology. And then the next means of technology that leads people after social media is typically the website. People want to be anonymous until they don't. We know this. People want to be anonymous until they don't. So what does the website help understand, hey, what's this church all about? What are the values? What are, what's the mission? Hey, I want to make sure I know what I'm getting myself into. So we take these things very serious. But how many of you guys know that doesn't end there? First impressions. Parking lot. Kids check in. Is that an easy process? Our coffee bar. When people walk through the doors of our lobby, do they smell the sweet, heavenly aroma of coffee? Come on, somebody. Um, our connect table, which is a place that we want to direct our new visitors. Ushers and greeters. Those jobs. How many of you guys know that Sometimes you go to a restaurant and you leave. Ever been that person? You go to a restaurant and you like look at the menu, you're like, yeah, I didn't know that was going to cost that much. I've done this before, right? You're like, or you go to a restaurant and it's just like you sit at the table for 20 minutes and the person doesn't come, right? Here's the thing that's kind of sad to me. is like we don't necessarily know the people that are turning the car around if we're doing a bad job at this. We don't know the people that have turned the car around in the first one minute necessarily, right? So we need to make sure that we hold this as a high priority. We can say we're a loving church. We can have the sign, once again, you belong. But do we really? Do we really act like that? Do we really expect people? And do we really accept people? Sometimes we can easily become a church that makes others feel like they're barging into something private. My hope is that we make it obvious that we've thought about first-time guests. We prioritize making the move-in process 
extremely tangible, extremely easy. And I mentioned this last week, but when you have company in your household, you prepare. You try to wow your guests. You clean things up a little bit. You make sure that you're able to answer the door with a warm welcome, right? You make sure that things are kind of in order and things are prepared where people feel very loved in a tangible way when they first come, right? Our goal is for people that come into this place to understand how much they matter to us before they know that they matter to God and understanding that every Sunday is someone's first Sunday. And how many of you guys know this? The first time is always the hardest. For those of us who have got into the Christianese rhythm of attending church, attending church, attending church, it's easy to forget what the first time was like. It's not easy. It's not easy to check in your kids the first time in, a, in an unfamiliar environment, right? So this is why we want to invest in this area a lot, because we understand the process of move-in becomes very, very difficult. You might say, well, Pastor, I, didn't, I thought we didn't want to have a consumeristic family. It just seems like we're just kind of bowing down to people. How many of you guys know that being a gracious host is different than being consumeristic? How many of you guys know that being gracious host represents service and love, which represents the greatest leader of all time, and his name is Jesus, right? And a universal biblical principle, as we looked at the words of Jesus, is welcoming the stranger. If we don't do a good job of that, we're missing. We're missing a part of the way that Jesus chose to serve people, amen? Next thing I put on the list, that's kind of first impressions and how we're thinking about it and putting a high priority on it, uh, meet the staff. The staff right now, we just want to have a place where after service, we're freed up to go and meet new people and have a video that, that explains this mission and explains a lot of the things that we're talking about in this Family Matters series um, right after service so people can get a personal kind of meet and greet and understand kind of the DNA of our church. But how many of you guys know that that means that the staff needs to multiply themselves out of their jobs to be free after service to do that? So that's something we haven't done yet, but it's something we're looking to implement because we understand this matters, man. People want a personal touch and get to know people in this community and build trust. And then last but not least, our welcome card follow-up. Um, if it's your first time this morning, we have what's called a welcome card. And we just want to make sure when somebody fills us out, they receive a free gift if you turn it into the connect table. But also people are being followed up with. People are being encouraged to take next steps. People are having their prayers uh, that requests on the back being prayed for. So we've thought a lot about this, but once again, we're trying to make sure that we prioritize this idea of moving in because we want to make this process super easy and we want to make sure that we carry this as a high priority in our family because it's difficult to move in. Amen? But this is the first part. This is the first kind of step in understanding in our map. So... Let's look. Now we're going to kind of transition into what we do into the, the household, kind of as a household, as a spiritual family, how do we function? And these are, this is represented by, by four main areas. So let's first start off with grow up. And once again, these aren't in any particular order. This is more of a cycle of the way that we kind of run the household. So first is grow up. Uh, here's what I need. No, you've got to be motivated to spiritually grow up. When you physically grow up as a baby, you, you mature, right? You grow up, and that's a natural process, but there hits a point where that stops and it becomes your own choice, right? There's a point in your life where maturity kind of becomes your choice, whether you choose to grow up or not. And how many of you guys know the same thing applies to our spiritual development? The same thing applies to our spiritual formation. The same thing applies to the fact that if we really want to spiritually grow up, it has to be our decision. I love what the author of Hebrews writes in Hebrews chapter 5. 
He says this to some people that have kind of chosen to just kind of stay stagnant. The author of Hebrews says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. The author of Hebrews is getting on to these people that are followers of Jesus, saying, what's the deal? You're having a hard time distinguishing your faith, knowing where you stand, because you've just chosen not to spiritually grow up. So there's this emphasis we see in the scriptures of growing up. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I love what Paul says. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Right? That I, I, I'm a person that, 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 that ex- expects to have to shoot for maturity. Right? Ephesians chapter 4, we referenced this, this, this scripture last week, but let's look at it again. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Once again, this whole expectation that if you're a follower of Jesus, you got to spiritually grow up. Because when we grow up, when we mature spiritually, we become more effective for God's mission. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15, I love this. It says, our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand. So there it is. That when we choose to grow up, when we choose to grow, once again, we become more effective people in our lives and for God's cause on this earth. So, let's define this. How do people grow up at PCC? And the vehicle we've chosen for growth is something that we do at this church called the Growth Track. If you've been hanging around for a while, you know that we've done this a couple times. Growth Track is a set of classes where we've broken it down and we've created it in a way where it helps people take next steps in their growth when it comes to their relationship with God. So, on the back of, uh, of, of the flyer that we typically hand out, now, uh, what you're about to see, these are old dates. We get that up on the screen. Um, I'll give you the new date for the next one that we're going to be doing. But uh, we've broken this up into five classes. And we think about our yearly calendar at our church in, as trimesters. So we break it down into thirds. So every third of the year, we're going to do what's called Growth Track, which is a series of five classes. So I just want to kind of explain what each and every one of those classes looks like. Uh, we do our first class, which, class, which is called 101 Essentials. And for this class, you learn and put into practice what we believe are three essential habits that develop an authentic and life-giving relationship with Jesus. So this is a great first next step for somebody that's kind of hung out, maybe at our church for a while, decided to follow Jesus in their life, and wants to learn some essential practices of what it means to take this next step in their faith. Then 201, multiplicative leadership. Understand the importance of being in community by creating, maintaining, and multiplying close relationships through personal evangelism in small groups. Sharing your faith can be a very daunting thing. 
But we also want to make it a really accessible thing for people that want to grow in their faith. If you're a person you're like, I never really talk about my faith or it just hasn't really ranged true to become really practical in our lives, this becomes a great class for you. And we talk about how we think about our church in terms of multiplication. We think about everything in terms of multiplication. That's in the DNA of this family because we are, know we are a family, a spiritual family that chooses to reproduce as Jesus has called us to go and make disciples, right? 301 is what we're calling spirit-filled life. Engage in the fullness of God through discovering the benefits of being empowered by the Holy Spirit to live as a witness of transformation, encouragement to others. I love it. We've, we were in a previous series called Contrast that looked at the ways that the early church lived. And a big part of the way that they lived that was contrasted to the way that the Roman rule during this time lived was that they based their faith on the personal and powerful transformation of the Holy Spirit. We are a church that believes in the fullness of the Spirit, but we are a church that is not going to be on the outside wacky because we understand that witness was the priority our spirituality needs to feed the witness of people in Jesus touching people's lives. That's what a spiritual person looks like, where the fruit of God's love is first and foremost. But underneath the service of who we are, we have a deep dependence on the fullness of God, expecting that when we pray for people, we're going to swing for a home run and expect God to show up in a miraculous way in supernatural healing. I love what Pastor John shared, even when we press into worship. Man, when people press in, Amazing, miraculous things happen. So in this class, we talk about that. We talk about the scriptural foundation of all of these things, and we talk about what the fullness of God looks like as it's applied to our lives as we are called to be witnesses of him. 401, practicing prayer. I love this one. So practicing prayer. Feel equipped to lead a Holy Spirit-directed prayer time through the safety and accountability of practicing with others. There's nothing weirder than what, that, that Christians do than like weird prayer habits. I'm a big stickler when it comes to this, you guys. Like, people pray for other people and do really weird things, and it freaks people out. So what this class is designed to do is how to be a person that prays for people and practices. How many of you guys know that prayer takes practice? Praying for other people takes practice. We want to be in a shared group. This, this class op gives us opportunity to pray for other people, to tune in with God and say, God, what would you have for this person as I pray for them? And to not be really weird when we do it. Because when you're weird, you detract people. And that is not the goal of Jesus and his mission. He's after anyone and everyone. So this class is designated, let's not be weird prayer people, but let's be people that are dependent upon God that really operate in a way that's practical for people's lives. Because when you get really practical, God begins to change people's lives when you do it in a way that doesn't freak people out. 401, practicing prayer. Got to say, I love that one. Anytime we've done that one, it's been really powerful. And then last but not least, heart and soul. Explore the values, mission, and purpose that guide Ponca City Church, including our shared beliefs and shared practices. This class is going to be developed into a lot of what we've discussed in this series. It talks about what it means to be a member at Ponca City Church and what those values look like and what it means to be a part of this covenanted community. Well, once again, that might be a good next step for somebody in the room who's kind of been not, not, not knowing whether they want to make the step or not. We think about everything we do at Ponca City Church as steps, not programs on the calendar. Once again, if we flood the calendar with a bunch of programs, how are we actually leading people? We think about everything we do as people's next steps. So your next step for you, maybe sitting in church this morning, might exist in terms of some of these classes that exist on growth track. So just so, that, so you know, our next growth track starts April 8th. That's the week after Easter. 
So our next round starts April 8th, the week after Easter. So you'll be hearing more about that and be reminded. So we got a little bit of time to kind of prepare. But, but would you? Would you consider this? Maybe one of these classes would be your next step. You're like, I'm really interested in that. And, and, I, and I realize I'm in a season where I'd love to grow. Even if you feel like you know everything uh, or if you've come under the belief that maybe you are God, um, here's what I know. You can grow because none of us are God. And all of us fall short of the glory of God. Come on, somebody. So here's what I know. Each and every one of us can grow. So uh, commit to these things because these classes will help you understand how we function as a church and how we think about growth. Amen? So that's how we grow up. That's how we mature. That's how we choose to mature. That's how we choose to engage in some of these things that are going to be really helpful uh, as spiritual family members. Uh, Let's look at the next one, which is make friends. Make friends. Yeah, make friends. Okay, uh, how many of you guys know that uh, in a household or in any family, building he- healthy, healthy relationships is a good idea? It's a good thing, right? And here's what I know. You build healthy friendships and relationships inside and aus- outside the household. Um, as a typical member of a household, as a person in a family, uh, typically you have friends that exist outside the family. But you also have deep relationships that exist inside the family. I love the idea of friendship within marriage. Come on, somebody. This is a factor that sometimes we miss in, in, in marriage, that, that, yeah, this is my spouse, but the friendship can be lost. That's why it's so important uh, to be scheduling dates with your spouse, keeping the friendship dynamic alive where you actually still enjoy being around that person. That's a healthy marriage and a healthy relationship, amen? So there's this whole idea that we need to spend time in community in a place where we can build relationships. I love what John 15 says as we turn to the scriptures. My command is this. Love each other as I've loved you. This is Jesus. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Right? There's a big emphasis on friendship that we see in the scriptures. And then in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, talking about the early church and how they functioned, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. So there's a deep relationship that existed, right? They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So when there's authentic friendship, when there's authentic community, God blesses it in the ways he did with the early church when there was a handful of people to now we have millions upon millions of Christians that exist on the earth today. There's something about living in community that God wants to bless when it happens. Amen? So, how do we make friends at PCC? Simply this, through our small groups. Hey, I think we've heard this one before. Um, We have our small group flyer, our current one. And if we want to flip it around, kind of up on the screen to the other side, we have eight small groups to choose from. And once again, these are based off of the early church in Acts that people met in the temple courts. I think it's great that we meet together as the large church. Um, But at the same time, uh, you you don't attend church. You are the church. So what does church look like throughout the week? What does doing life together look like? Here's what I know. I can't do life alone, uh, and I like having people in my corner that I know can help me, that I can talk to, that I have deep relationship with, that I can depend on. So that's what our small groups are aiming to do. But our small groups are broken up in three different categories. So um, just to define those and understand the heart behind each of those, number one, we have a group called D-groups. And D-groups, I'll just read kind of what we have on on, on the flyer there. Discipleship groups or D-groups are for anyone who wants deeper community in which their faith and journey with God is encouraged. 
These small groups represent a camaraderie of people that can get you through any challenge or situation that comes out our way. Each group is centered around biblical content, study, and application chosen by the small group leader. So uh, this trimester, we have four uh, D groups to choose from, and um, one of those is for couples, one of those is for men, one of those is for women, one of those is for youth. So we have different uh, types of groups represented within this idea of D groups. Um, So a great way, if you're a person that's saying, maybe my next step is just growing with other people, right? D groups would be a great option for you. Um, Then we have a group called fun groups. Now, fun groups are for anyone who likes to have fun. That's me. And wants to be more connected in community. These small groups connect others through specific activities or hobbies which are chosen by the small group leader. Now, a lot of people think of small groups as like a boring meeting where you go to somebody's house and just like stare at the Bible and other people's faces, and it's awkward, right? Um, That's not what we're aiming for in any of these groups, but that's why I love fun groups because it becomes a really easy way to get people that maybe aren't familiar with church or people that are like, hey, like I'm I'm not in community, connected in community, right? So we have a couple to choose from uh, this trimester for our fun groups. And then lastly, love groups, which I think are so important. Our love groups are for anyone who wants to see our community transform to look and feel more like heaven. These small groups contribute to the needs of our community by being centered around a cause-related focus chosen by the small group leader. So these are groups that, man, they just get their hands dirty in our community and have chosen to fulfill specific needs. Um, And as I kind of mentioned last week, we have a couple of those. One of those groups is focused on helping a a, a local assisted living home, and then the other one is actually focused on jail ministry, which I mentioned last week that some of that jail ministry is going to be actually happening on Sundays, which is amazing, because once again, uh, uh, we are the church, not a building, and that means the church uh, doesn't need to be at one location on a Sunday morning. That means it can be spread out ministering uh, throughout the community as well. Amen? So uh, we have so many, we have eight different groups to choose from. So uh, next steps, if you're a person that's saying, hey, my next step maybe is joining a small group, uh, you can contact the group leader on the flyer, and you can pick the flyer up at the connect table. Uh, you can also find this list on our website, paucacitychurch.com. This might be the right next step for you, uh, getting integrated into community, building relationships with, un- with others in this family. Amen? Cool. Uh, is this making sense for everybody? Everybody tracking this morning, right? We're about halfway through. Uh, let's keep moving on. So we have this household dynamic. We've talked about growing up, what that looks like at our church through Growth Track, making friends, uh, which is our small groups. Now let's talk about the next one. Get a job. Okay, here's the deal. If you're a household member in any family, you've got to contribute, right? Uh, you've you got to carry your weight a little bit. Now, if you're a kid in the household, this might look like some chores, right? Taking out the trash, emptying the dishwasher, doing the laundry, um, and for an adult, this might be having a career, providing financially for the household, right? Uh, but here's what I know. If the household doesn't contribute, things can kind of fall apart, right? Literally and financially, right? So if we're going to say we're functioning as a family like God has called us to be, that means that people have to contribute. People have to get a job. And you might say, well, I hear this a lot, man, I just wish, you know, this church had X, Y, Z, name it, you know, like a better, you know, this or a better that. Man, I just wish, ah, man, I wish this church had this. Our solution to that is we have a ton of job openings. We do. Because some, for some of us, we see some of these larger churches, churches that have grown, and we think that it just like appeared. Like the big bang happened at this church and just suddenly like this massive ministry opportunity just happened. You realize that actually took people saying, I'm going to contribute. 
I'm going to critique on everything I don't like, but I'm going to see a need and understand that I'm the solution. And that's how we function as a family, right? Because here, here's what I know. Can I just be real with you? In a normal household, if you complain and you never contribute, you know what that's called? A spoiled brat. Come on, somebody. In, in terms of a household, let me just categorize that for a second. So the way that we're going to categorize that as a spiritual family, don't come into this place and be a spoiled brat. Don't act like you can get and receive everything from the church if you're not contributing. If you're not getting a job, if you're not actually paying it forward in terms of actually wanting to do something big and to reach people. This isn't on the pastor's shoulders. This is on the body of Christ's shoulders. we got to get past this whole idea that we're just going to be serve, serve, serve. Because our job is to serve because the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. I'm jumping ahead of myself here. Okay, let's talk about the biblical idea of what it means to get a job. How do we spiritually get a job? Well, we spiritually get a job by what the Bible says is our job to minister. Now, the word ministry in the Bible comes from the word dikaneo, which is simply defined in the English as to serve. Ministry just simply means this, serving. Serving other people's needs. Our job is to serve. Matthew 20, 28, I mentioned this already. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And here's the other thing, too. When you serve, uh, there's a way to be effective. There's a way to be ineffective. Uh, sometimes we think, oh, I'm just fulfilling a job. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, you know, people that are just mad at the job that they have and just do the job and don't only actually give it everything they have. As a spiritual family, we're going to understand that we're going to do the job and we're going to be passionate about the job because we understand how the job affects everything else. We understand that what we do actually affects the nuances of everything else. So the part that we play, we're relying on the other parts of the body, right? If one organ is pulled away from the body, that causes the body to go into distress. Come on, somebody. So I love what Colossians 3.23 says. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Come on. When we serve or when we choose to fulfill a job in the church, we do it with everything that we have, and we don't do it to impress people. We don't do it to please humans. We do it simply because we want to please our master, our Lord Jesus. So how do you get a job at PCC? This is how you get a job at PCC. You join a ministry team. Come on, somebody. And here's what we've done. We've categorized our ministry teams to saying these are the most important things right now. These are kind of the bare minimums. Rather than giving a billion options where it's like, yeah, I'll go do this random ministry. No, like we want to make sure that we fulfill the roles in all of these jobs because we know when we do this, we're going to get better because we need help. We need more bodies. We need more jobs being fulfilled in these areas. And this begins to go back to the move-in process. Go on, somebody. That in order for people to move in easy, we need bodies and we need help in these areas. We need help in the coffee bar. We want to make sure that we give free coffee and made-to-order coffee drinks in a way that people feel really blessed when they come into church uh, with screaming kids and are a little tired and haven't had to get the opportunity to get their coffee yet. Come on, somebody. Coffee bar, uh, our connect table, once again, a place where people can get information and where new visitors will be drawn. Our kids' ministry, man, we need help in our kids' ministry. I, I can't say that enough. We need help in our kids' ministry. We want to make sure that we have every single role fulfilled where kids and young families that come into this place bringing their kids feel so loved, feel so cherished. The library, we need help in the library. This is an area where we have all of our resources as a church. Sometimes I recommend books or resources. That's where all of those are located. Not to mention, you don't have to buy. You can check some of these resources out for free. Uh, parking lot, right? First impression. 
We want to make sure that we have a big presence in our parking lot so that when people come, they're like, they expected me, not an empty parking lot with a bunch of cars where somebody's like, this seems like a private meeting that I don't know if I'm invited to. Having a presence makes a difference. We need help in the parking lot. Sound engineering, if this is something that you know you're good at or you're interested in, sign up to be interested in the sound engineering because, well, there's a place for you. Ushers, making sure that uh, people are there to greet at the doors as they come into the sanctuary and, and are helped and assisted in any way possible. Visual production, meaning anything that you see on the screen, right? Um, that's our visual production team and people that are helping serving and make sure we can pull off a Sunday. Uh, the worship team, I love this one. We think of this one in, in development. Like, once again, you don't have to be the best musician. We believe that there's a place for you, and there's a place to grow in the worship team. I was the person for too long that I sat in the congregation, and I, I, I felt inspired, meaning this. I, I looked, and I would say, man, I, I wish I could be a part of that, but it just left at, the, at, at inspiration. And it wasn't until I was actually empowered that I actually joined in when my youth pastor invited me and said, hey, we'd love for you to be a part of this team. Show up to worship rehearsal this week. You may be a person that you felt inspired or music inspires you if you're like, I don't know how to like let there be an outlet in my life. Please, please sign up to join the worship team. There's a place for you. We will find a place for you. We have ways to teach you how to play instruments. We want to develop our musicians and make sure our church stays in a place where our music is amazing. And we're going to continually invest in that and continually understand that music is such a gateway to people's hearts. And God cares about that. So we want to make sure that our worship experience musically is amazing. So we're constantly taking steps and thinking about ways to make that better. And then lastly, our youth ministry. Because we believe, once again, that the next generation is now. So we need people that are willing to give up time out of their schedule to be youth leaders and to serve and help Pastor John out in terms of making sure our youth group is everything that God's called it to be. Amen? So this is how you get a job. This is how you go from consuming to contributing. This is how you start carrying a little bit of the weight where you're saying, yeah, this isn't just about me and my kind of like spiritual island, but I understand that the spiritual island is one where God calls us to go. And God calls us to start serving the needs of others, not thinking that it's all about us. Get a job. So join the ministry team by signing up on our website or visiting the Connect table. That's a broken record kind of a thing. Connect table is going to be where you gain information, and the website has all the information that you need. You can sign up. You can look at small group information. Everything's available online on our website. Really easy, poncacitychurch.com. Or if you're here on Sunday, uh, go to the Connect table, and they'll have all the information that you need for you. Uh, that's how we're going to be getting a job. Also, I want to say this. I'm a firm believer that we want to get people integrated in serving as quick as possible. So we've partnered with a company called Trained Up, where rather than like when somebody signs up, it's like, hey, three months, in three months we're going to have a meeting where you can start serving. Or like in six months you just got to attend this class, and uh, after you're six months through you can start helping us out. Uh, that's not me. I'm like, if people, bodies in the room want to serve and help people, that's a fruit of the ministry of Jesus, so let's get people going. Come on, somebody. So we have, we've partnered with a company called Trained Up where we're trying to train everyone who wants to get involved via video. So during the week, let's say you're a new person at our church, you sign up on Sunday for a team, you're like, I'm interested in this team, you can get trained throughout the week and be ready to be scheduled and then in the next coming weeks, simply because you've done the training on your own, and we can get you in on a team, serving and helping and feeding the vision of this church as soon as possible. Quick integration, because it shows and it illustrates the mission of Jesus. If we're, gonna, if we're aiming for everyone, anyone and everyone, come on, we got we to gotta get moving. We can't waste time. we got to be passionately pursuing his mission and moving forward. Amen? All right, so we talked about growing up, talking about making friends, talking about getting a job. Last one is this, uh, love the neighborhood. 
Love the neighborhood. I love John chapter 1, verse 14, specifically how the message uh, paraphrases this scripture. Eugene Peterson, who, who edited uh, the message paraphrase, it says this. He says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Talking about Jesus, that when Jesus came to this earth, he moved into the neighborhood. So as people of a household, we're called to love our neighbors. We're called to love our neighborhood. We're called to love our city. We're called to love our community. So how are we going to do that? How do people love the neighborhood at PCC? And this is how we're going to choose to love the neighborhood at PCC, through what we're calling our four Ponca City events. Now, many churches do what's called a four campaign. And as a church, we're going to do one for Ponca City because we want to be known as a church that's more what we're for rather than what we're against. I talked about this a little last week. So we're going to have church-wide events throughout the year that are dedicated to loving our neighborhood, loving the needs in our community. So we have five main ones that have been rotating on our calendar, and there might be a couple new ones that are sprinkled in, um, depending on us kind of saying, hey, does this kind of fit under the rubric of what we feel like we're called to do in terms of adopting anyone and everyone into the genuine and active love of Jesus. So let's just review the ones that we currently do. Uh, our women's conference, which was the first one we ever did uh, just a couple weekends ago, uh, had just like, I mean, there was like, at one point there was like over 70 women in here uh, just worshiping Jesus, uh, pressing in, and we had great success for our women's conference, which Pastor Callie's uh, been kind of in charge of, and we're excited for next year. So that's one of the ways that we just choose, we're saying we just want to love on the women in our city. Uh, we want to love on the women in this community and host something where at the beginning of the year, our women can be refreshed. And hallelujah if you're a woman after the holidays and everything else. Come on, somebody. So creating a place for that to happen. Our Chamber of Commerce banquet. Come on, somebody. It's happening this Thursday. So this is a way that we're going to love on our city. So once again, let's not just be people that talk. Let's be people that do. Here's what I know. We need at least 10 more signups, at least 10 more signups on that list at the Connect table. So a great next step for everybody at the church is if we're going to be a church that says we're going to love our community, if you're not doing anything Thursday, you don't have anything planned, put your money where your mouth is. Come on, somebody. Let's, let's show up. Let's get as many people that are in the room today there to serve and love on our city in an overwhelming way where we're saying, hey, this is our church. We are for our city. We are for Ponca City. So we need we desperately need this. We need more people to sign up. But hey, if you're hanging out in this community, this is kind of one of the things we're expecting, that we're going to do this because we're followers of Jesus, and this is what followers of Jesus do who are connected to this community. Come on, somebody. Uh, next one, our Halloween big candy bar uh, outreach, meaning this, um, if you haven't been a part of our church, uh, rather than doing like a big fall family festival, uh, we, we encourage people that have neighborhoods to stay at home and hand out only big candy bars. Because nothing says the love of Jesus better than a big candy bar. Come on, somebody. Here's what I know. When you're a young person, you know those houses. So this year, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag a little bit. We did a trunk or treat uh, for people that didn't have neighborhoods or, like, basically couldn't stay at home because they, they live a little bit more rurally out in the country. Or you just realize your neighborhood doesn't get that many trick, trick or treaters. So we did a trunk or treat. And here at the church for a few people that, that were in that situation, and we ran out of candy in like the first 10 minutes because we were handing out big candy bars. So this year, our idea is, well, how do we kind of let that play off of each other? So what we're going to do is we're going to do a big candy bar scavenger hunt, meaning this. If you stop at the church, there will be a list of other churches' addresses for those of us who say, I'm, I want to do this. 
where our addresses will be given out where they know they can go to those houses and get more big candy bars. And what we do is we just put our sticker for our, with our church information on each and every candy bar, just reminding people, hey, we are for Ponca City. This is who we are. Once again, that, that word of big candy bar spreads like a wildfire. We want the love of Jesus and the fact that we are for Ponca City to spread like a wildfire. Amen? And then uh, finally, we, we do a big Thanksgiving dinner on Thanksgiving Day and serve the community. And this has been something where we've seen hundreds of people come through our doors, and we just love on them. And once again, remind people that we are for the city and community. Um, how do we love the neighborhood? We love the neighborhood through our four Ponca City events, which we're so excited about uh, to continue to participate in. And I'm excited about the opportunity for maybe new ones to pop up on our yearly calendar where we're saying, okay, church, these are church-wide things that we're saying hey, we're going to prioritize these things in our schedule so that we make a big church-wide impact when we say it, we're saying yes to do these things. Amen? Okay, so that's kind of helped summarize the move-in process. Now, and we've talked about the four ways as the household we're going to function, right? We're going to grow up, we're going to make friends, get a job, and we're going to love the neighborhood. And then the last thing that we're going to talk about uh, this morning is move out. Moving out. Meaning this, uh, if you're living in a household, you can't be Peter Pan and live in your mom's basement forever. If we're going to expect you to grow up, if we're going to expect you to get a job, come on, we're expecting people to move. We're expecting people to take steps in their faith, not just allow faith to be something that lives in the background of our lives, but to understand if we're going to be followers of Jesus, let's be a church that gives people steps to walk into. Let's give people an opportunity to understand, man, I feel a little stagnant in my faith. What's, what's my next step? And the next step for some of you in the room might be moving out. And you might say, what does that mean? I just leave? Like, are you, are you inviting me to leave the church? No, not necessarily. That might be something some people are called to. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. As we've defined clarity, people might be like, oh, you're going to, like, this is kind of how we're going to function. Like, not my thing. And I'm like, okay, like, this is how we know God's called us to do this. But what do I mean by move out? I mean that if you follow Jesus, you're, you're called to commission and make other disciples. When you become a follower of Jesus, you're, you're called a disciple, but Jesus' commission to us was to make disciples, go and make disciples. And a lot of people want to, like, begin to kind of separate this idea and, well, the expectation is not on me. No, no, go and make disciples. So if we're called to go and make disciples, that means that if we have this process of how we're going to function as a family and get integrated as a spiritual family, the expectation at some point is that you are going to lead. I love what 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 says. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, speaking, encouraging the young pastor, Timothy. He says this, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach Others, I love the degrees of leadership in this verse, meaning this, we have Paul pouring into Timothy, who then hears these things and entrusts those things to reliable people who then pour into other qualified, reliable people. Four degrees, a disciple who pours into another disciple, who pours into other disciples, who then pour into other disciples. This is multiplication. This is the church of Jesus this is when Jesus said go, this is what he envisioned, that this isn't some personalized thing that we keep to ourselves, but we're called to contribute and to be on mission. If we want to be a church that makes a massive impact, anyone and everyone, adopting anyone and everyone, 
We have to be people that understand our call is to be people that lead others. We are called to make disciples. So how do we do this? How do we move? How do people move out at PCC, right? This is how we're going to do it. Through leading and making room. Because when you're a leader, you begin to make room for other people, right? You begin to allow there to be expansion. I love that because it shows two arrows on the picture, right? That you're moving out, but you're moving out so that others can move in. You're moving out so that you can lead others to be a part of the community as well. So this means that you will lead uh, any of the four things that we were talking about. Lead a growth track. Maybe you're a good teacher. Maybe you're a person that just really enjoys teaching. Uh, you could be a person that begins to lead growth track. Maybe we have so many people teaching that we can do growth track more than once every four months, right? Do we understand that? Are we starting to see how the, the vision begins to kind of catch when there's more bodies available? Or maybe you're a person, here's what I love, growth track, we've designed it in a way that you can walk anybody and everybody through it. I'm not the type of person that's like everybody has to attend a classroom type of deal. If somebody wants to get baptized, hey, you can walk them through Essentials 101. Walk them through the material on your own and invite them into a process uh, to get baptized next time we do baptisms, right? So we've designed it in a way where you can lead people easily, right? Uh, maybe you're called to lead a small group. Our small groups all have apprentices. We've designed them in a way where each and every small group that we have, those eight, are expected to have a person who's apprenticing. And the expectation is once the apprentice is ready, they're going to lead a group out of their own. So that means the group multiplies. That means some people might go with this new person to lead this similar group, or some people might stay, and this person's starting a brand new group that's birthed out of their vision and their own heart to start a group that meets in one of those categories. You might be a person you're like, none of these groups kind of meet my needs. In all these small groups, maybe God's calling you to lead a specific group for a need that we don't have yet. Come on, somebody, right? So this is where the vision begins to burst wide open. Lead a small group, right? Maybe you're called to lead a ministry team. Maybe you're called to have a little bit of weight on Sundays and leading a specific Sunday in the calendar month, uh, a team, and be kind of the go-to person that helps and assists and makes sure that everything's kind of on course and everybody's really loved on and cared for. Uh, and then lastly, uh, lead for Ponca City event. Here's what I know. I mentioned that we might add more of those uh, events to our calendar, but this is what I love. It has nothing to do with, with pastor. It just doesn't. Every single Four Ponca City event that we have available at our church is led by someone else. It's led by a lieutenant. It's led by somebody who's given up their time and saying, I'm going to pour my heart and soul into this event and make sure our church just feels very, very loved and cared for, right? So how, how do we move out? We move out by allowing and leading others to move back into the household, amen? Does that make sense? Anybody tracking with me this morning? Yeah, okay, cool. So let's, let's review. Our family plan, here we go. Uh, move in, then once we're in the household, grow up, make friends, get a job, love the neighborhood, and then lastly, uh, move out to make room to move others into the household. Um, and that's it. That's it. That's what, as a church, we're agreeing that we're going to do. That's our strategy. Because we understand that if we follow through with this, this focus, that there's a pathway of leadership development for people to move in, to get comfortable, for people to grow up, to attend gro a growth track, to make friends, to be a part of community, to get a job, to serve on ministry teams, to love our neighborhood, to be active in our community through our Fort Ponca City uh, events, and then lastly, to move out, to, to make disciples, to lead, to make room. That's, that's, that's what we're going to encourage everybody in, in terms of next steps 
in terms of a pathway of growth, in terms of a pathway of flourishing. And here's what I know, and I mentioned this before, is when the household gets big enough, if we do these things and we repeat these things and we lead people and we're on mission for Jesus, the household gets to a point where it's bursting at the seams. And how many of you guys know when you have a big enough household, you got to build another house? And that's why we're a church that says we want to plant churches because we understand that when these things happen, when we follow through these things, guess what? We're doing what Jesus told us to do, and we plant churches. Once again, churches aren't just planted in a vacuum. It's planted when people have focus and follow through and are on mission and realizing my life's not my own, but it's to serve the cause of Jesus, to lead others into the goodness and the grace of God. Amen? I want to close with this this morning. We have a a district supervisor who acts as... uh, kind of the overseer for a, a group of churches in this region, and um, as she shared a verse this week that for our district, for this region of churches, and I just felt as if it was so pertainable to us. I, I honestly, honestly kind of just felt like uh, it was something that I needed to share this morning, a verse that she spoke over kind of this region of churches that are represented in like six different states, including Oklahoma. And I thought, how, how cool is that? What a confirmation into who God's calling us to be. Um, so I just want to share that verse. And it's out of Isaiah chapter 60, verse 22. It says this, the smallest family will become a thousand people and the tiniest group will become a mighty nation. At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. Here's what I know. 2018 is the right time. This year is the right time for God to allow the floodgates to burst wide open. But here's what it's going to take on our end. It's going to take us to identify and allow us to know what our next step looks like. Amen. So I just want to pray over us this morning. And I want to encourage us uh, to figure out maybe what those next steps look like. To know and identify what that looks like for each and every one of us as we move forward as this spiritual family that's called to adopt anyone and everyone into the active love, active and genuine love of Jesus.